Hello, and welcome to Anti Culture, the cultural podcast that seeks to reestablish the North American concept of culture by looking at the unique stories of individuals from Alberta, Canada. I am your culturally mixed and culturally ambiguous host, Josiah Sinanin, and I'm so excited you have joined me on this awesome journey so far through the province of Alberta, looking at people from all sorts of backgrounds that identify as Albertan. For those of you who are just tuning in now, you should know that this is the last episode in a string of five experimental episodes I've put out. Just a small note on this particular episode, there are a few expletives in it, so just be aware of that if you're sensitive to language. Making this podcast has been a huge dream of mine. It's allowed me to share my love of people and stories. Alberta, this series was for you. Creating these five episodes has been a lot of work so far. I've done it completely on my own, on top of working around 50 hours a week at my normal job and keeping up with everything else in my life. I wanted to see what the response would be, and honestly, it has been such an amazing thing to watch progress. I've connected with many incredible individuals, and as a result, I'm so excited to announce that I have since decided to continue with the podcast. Over the past week, I've been gathering an exciting group of new upcoming guests and also chatting with some great connections that I think will help bring the podcast to a new level. So thank you for being patient with me as I took the last week off. I can't wait to show you what I've been working on. All that being said, if you want to know what's going on here and it's your first time hearing from me, I'd recommend listening to the episodes in order, especially if you're jumping into this one, which I've purposely made conclusive in a lot of ways. Today's episode could quite possibly flip everything on its head that we have ever dealt with throughout this entire series. I want to introduce you to my new friend, Curtis Lefthand, from the Blackfoot Confederacy in Alberta. Curtis is the first of my guests to not identify as Albertan, even though many would say he is more Albertan than pretty much the majority of us. He explains why this is later, And I'm so excited to hear from him because he challenges the concepts that we have around his people, which is really the whole point of this podcast. I want to take people outside of the boxes we've put them in. I want to hear their personal stories, and I want to say, look, culture is not something that's just defined by where we're from or how we've been raised. There's so much more to it, and every individual has their own story. Without further ado, here is my new friend, Curtis Lefthand. Okay, Nestoni Danako in Wachats in Hambuxi. I know him mocked to do, um, Nestor, mocked to do as his guest to be Nachse Maska. I'm Scappy Bikani. Hello, my name is Curtis Left Hand. Uh, so awesome. My traditional name <laughs> is um, Running Shadow. I come from the home of the Sixagaya people and the Amskapi Bikani people. My people are situated here in Treaty 7. Uh, we are the um, known sometimes as the Lord of the Plains, uh, and yeah, we're we're just Nisitapi people living here in Treaty Seven, where we have been since time immemorial. Curtis is involved with a slew of incredible initiatives that he uses to give back to the community. With one of the most prestigious is that he is the founder of an organization called Indigenous Resilience in Music 
giving Indigenous youth a platform to perform their craft and creating insight into the identity of Indigenous artists throughout Canada. This is done through shows and workshops throughout the country. The youth that are involved are empowered to explore their talents in a way where they can feel confident and in a way that they can connect with their heritage, being involved in their own cultural identity and tradition. They put on shows throughout the year showcasing the talent there. Curtis also does a ton more than that though. I'll let him explain. And then I also, I'm starting to become an Indigenous lawyer. Um, I'm not in law school yet. Um, I am in my last year of uh, post-secondary uh, studying in, in, um, in political science at the UC. An ambassador for the uh, Native Ambassadors Post-Secondary Initiative. I uh, used to be the Indigenous Program Coordinator for CGSW 90.9 FM um, and still working in that sphere and stuff and I have my own radio show uh, called The Good Medicine Show um, on CGSW and I also play in a local band here and I'm a spoken word and musician in the city. So I do a variety so of things. you do everything I, possible. I do a variety <laughs> yeah. of things, but it's funny because that is a part of who we are today as indigenous people is that- I love that. A lot of indigenous people today want to do everything. Yeah. And that's a part of like what I, why I do that too. Yeah. Is like, I want to do as much as I can to pass down to my own kids. That cool. when they, when I have my kids and when I have my family and when they, when they ask me about certain things, like, I did everything I possibly <laughs> could within my grasp and I took it yeah. and, I, and I, and I didn't run with it. I took it and I held it. And then I mm. tried to make the steps for them to become something strong and help our people reclaim things they may have lost. So for those who don't know, could you explain like what is Treaty 7 land <clears throat> and what's the history there? Yeah, um, so Treaty 7, uh, like many other treaties in Canada, uh, is a treaty that is situated within the southern Alberta region of, of Canada. Um, and we are one of many other treaties that were signed throughout Canada in establishing settlement within, um, within the territories uh, throughout this land. Uh, Treaty 7 encompasses uh, many nations, one is including the Blackfoot people. Um, generally, this area is known as the Blackfoot Confederacy, which is that's the tra traditional way we identify the territory um, before even saying Treaty 7. But here uh, we have a part of the Blackfoot people, Blackfoot Nation is the Siksaga, um, the Bigani and the Gaina people. And outside of that are the other nations that we um, have situated here with us in our relationship with them and in our treaties with them is the Nakoda, Stony Nakoda people. Okay, yeah. And also the Dene Sutina people. Um, and then also who is now welcome here under settlement as well and under, um, under treaties being signed um, are the Métis. Traditionally, they, they were not here um, um, before, but they are here now. And right. So that's why we acknowledge, and, that, and that's how we are, is we cool. acknowledge everyone in our territory. We acknowledge if you're going to be here, you're going to be here. You're yeah. going to be part of the Black Confederacy. And um, and also, I want to know, I want that to be known that the term Blackfoot Confederacy is an inclusive term. It's not, right. it's not um, very exclusive. Yes, it is exclusive in the sense of saying that it is for the Blackfoot people, which right. includes us Nisitipi and Nisitipi and who we are, like the real people. But in essence, it's also saying that if you want to be here, you can be here. But we always have to go into a treaty with cool. with, with others that come here, like yeah. the Métis, like the Dene, like, this, like the Nakoda and... 
but in the federal and provincial government. To break that down for you again, since this was my first time learning about it, here in Alberta, part of what is traditionally called the Blackfoot Confederacy resides in our provincial borders in the south of the province. The Blackfoot Confederacy also goes into British Columbia, Saskatchewan, and parts of Montana in the U.S. And it's called such because the nations that make up the territory are Blackfoot people, most of whom speak a Blackfoot language. These languages are somewhat different, however, hence the three different nations, yet they are the same people. Curtis referred to two names, Nisitipi and Pikani. Nisitipi is a name for Blackfoot in general, which translates to the real people, which he just referenced. The Pikani is a nation within the Blackfoot where Curtis holds his heritage. The three nations that officially make up the Blackfoot Confederacy are the Pikani, the Siksika, and the Gaina. There is a respect given to also identifying the Albertan part of the Confederacy as Treaty 7 territory, terminology that refers to the agreement made originally by Queen Victoria and the Blackfoot peoples, essentially reserving portions of Southern Alberta only for the Blackfoot, the resources, the territory, and the preservation of cultural identity in this region. This sounds well and good, but truthfully, it had a lot of ugly side effects, which a lot of Canadians are aware of. Essentially, the Blackfoot people were signing over their true territory fully to their British crown before they knew which portions of the land would be theirs. As a result, this led to systems of abuse from the crown systems, horrific loss of traditional ways of life with this new, limited, and generally unusable territory, and little support from the government. Attempts have been made to make right these wrongs, and the autonomous rights of these territories are still respected. Thus, there is a good attitude about the agreements and cooperation that can now happen between the Canadian government and the treaty lands peoples. Obviously, a lot of these wrongs can't fully be taken back, but there is hope that there can be a solution moving forward. The territory also now encompasses the Stony Nakoda and the Dene Sutina peoples which Curtis mentioned. These groups are not Blackfoot, but they encompass the same area currently. A newer addition as well is the Métis, who aren't traditionally in the area, but are now. The spirit of inclusivity is one the Blackfoot people really adhere to, as Curtis just explained. Hopefully that gives you a little bit more clarity of what we're talking about here. Something I did want more insight on from Curtis, though, is how our provincial government relates to the Blackfoot Confederacy now. What restrictions are on them? What freedoms do they have? Curtis explains. On, like, Blackfoot Confederacy, do you have your own governance system that's mm -hmm. separate from the province? Oh, yeah, totally. You know, you have, like, the Indian Act. You have um, yeah. Section 35 of the of uh, the Constitution Act of 1982. You have like all these legal systems that we abide by uh, under that treaty that we signed for Treaty 7. Yeah. And so we signed into it. In that signing, we also identified that while we abide and, and live um, in relationship with the federal government under those laws, yeah. we also agreed to having our right to governing ourselves in our own way. And some could see it as very dysfunctional, which it is. And I'll admit that, uh, that there, are, there is dysfunction in how we govern ourselves, but we are trying and our people are trying. And, and those who are at the head of governing us also are trying while they 
um, have their own uh, history of trauma, intergenerational trauma, mm-hmm. and experiencing things as well, and mm-hmm. and even now today um, having trauma and still trying to lead in those. And I take it's a lot of hard work. Yeah. Um, and so I definitely commend those that that do try and and even those who fuck up and then they and then they try again and and so yeah, yeah. we do have our own governing system and and um, a lot of it is based in our ceremonies. Um, and a lot of it is based in the transfers of rights to sustain our, our community, like the transfers to to hold ceremony, to hold rituals. Um, I don't want to say rituals, to hold our practices and and how those govern us. And, cool. and though that has been our way since again time immemorial since we. Yeah. Been what Curtis just said here really struck a chord for me. The leaders in the governance systems within the Blackfoot Confederacy must lead from a place of brokenness. A place that has told them that they aren't worthy of their ways on this land. The cycle that's created by believing that generation after generation, especially when the root of it is abuse, is one that is so hard to break out of. Still, these leaders choose to press on. They choose to cooperate. They choose to include others. They choose to forgive. And they lead to the best of their abilities. We do have a system of governing based off of patriation and all of that and okay. what has been said to us through the government and abiding by those laws. But outside of those laws and outside of how the government tells us to govern ourselves, we still function in those. We have we still have administration. We still do the things they want to do and help in governing ourselves um, to follow their own like their own laws. But at the same time, um, we still do things uh, in our own way. Outside of that. When it comes to right. ceremony, those give us the rights to do the things. So when they That's say cool. this is how your your um, your band and your council has to look, yeah. we do things the way they ask them or they ask of us. Yeah. But then at the same time, we still go through the transfers so those people that do those things okay. have the rights to do them. Curtis is one of the only people his age from his nation that has committed himself to learning the language of his peoples. He attends ceremony often, a tradition that at one point he almost lost, along with his language. He'll explain this a little bit later on. The Globe and Mail came out with an article on some exciting news out of Victoria, British Columbia that Curtis was recently featured in. The news being that Canada's first joint master's program in Indigenous and Common Law is launching next September at the University of Victoria. This is huge. By having a program like this, it validates the practices and cultures of indigenous structures and aims to actually create a third legal order in our country. The other two legal orders being the common law, which applies to the whole country, and Quebec's civil code. Curtis is hoping he will be one of the first recipients of this program upon approval, and we are rooting alongside him. You can find this article on my Twitter, which I retweeted at Josiah Podcast, or on our Facebook page, Anti-Culture with Josiah Sinanen. You'll definitely want to give that one a read. And that's what I'm trying oh, to do, so good. is take that and be like, okay, well, I, some people in my community can't interpret common law. Right. But I personally can interpret our, and I'm still learning, and I'm still getting transfers within our own laws, but I want to be able to interpret transfers in our laws as Mississippi 
and then bring that and say, okay, well, where does common law meet us? Where can they meet us when we say our laws are this way within yeah. our community, within the Mississippi community? But then how can you interpret that and say, okay, well, this is where common law is not is not mm. very different. Or yeah. This is where it's drastically different. Right. But then helping them interpret and that's why I'm going to study law. That's um, awesome. With uh, an early action, um, early acceptance into the Indigenous Law Program at UVic. Um, and... Yeah, so a lot of that is just kind of based on um, a lot of the work I do is based on just helping my community just reclaim things they mm -hmm. that we may have lost, and so I do a lot of that work, which is. Um, but I have all of this stuff. The reason why I'm going back to what I just said. Yeah. The one thing that I know for for who I am, and as I'm told by my own elders and in, in ceremony, is that I'm always necessary to be first. I'm nothing right. else. I'm nothing without that. Right. Like when I when I go out into the world, and people ask me like, "Well, you're doing all this stuff. You're you're doing what you want to, what you want to do, mm -hmm. and you're working really hard with it." Yeah. But at the same time, you can't forget who you are. Yeah. And so every time I go back, I always remember. Even when I'm in ceremony, I'm always like, "No, this is who I am. I'm this first. Yeah. I'm gonna sit to be first. I'm right. with the Blackfoot people first. And then I'm all these other things mm -hmm. because that is what's sustaining me to do all these other things. That's really and, cool. And if I don't have that, then I don't have an identity. That is a part of just my own way and a part of mm -hmm. how I was taught growing up and lost for, for a bit. Right. And then, and then now um, where I'm at here today and why I do yeah. so many things is that that spirit, that understanding of my identity pushes me into doing these things as much as I can. That's very, yeah. very cool. Yeah. yeah. And I think we can all take something from that too. Like <laughs> what, what in our identity is motivating us to do the things that we're doing. And yeah. I think you're blessed to have such a strong background that mm. you're able to use that as your motivation. Mm. And this might be like a weird question, but do you, do you, did you ever at any point or do you ever at any point think that there is a fear of still losing that? Yeah. Because like, you mentioned you'd come close to. Yeah, yeah. There, There's a fear. Like, in, in any way in Canada, like, you see it everywhere that there's, like, in school, being a post-secondary, like, there's systems in post-secondary post as a system itself. Is right. To teach you Western knowledge. Yeah. And, and to, to enforce that. Well, that's where it was birthed at. It was to enforce it. Now you willingly go to it. <laughs> but at the same time, um, it is there... And the academic criteria is still to enforce that level of assimilation. Yes. Just not necessarily saying assimilation. Right. Not necessarily saying residential schools are necessarily saying these. But it's still a system in itself of assimilation. Yeah. Because when you go there, you learn Western knowledge. Yes. You learn the Western criteria of how they understand law, how they understand politics, why we live in a commonwealth, why we live in, in this system today, yeah. why, we do the, why we do the things we do. That's all Western-based knowledge. Um, and, and that's uh, my fear is that now I know that I, while I'm here and I do these things, I always go back to ceremony because that helps me gain the strength to go out here and be like, I'm going to learn what hmm. they know. But it's not my way. Yeah. I'm still going to understand it and interpret it, but it's still not my way. Yeah. But I know I need to do that to create that. Mm. that Because like, it's said to be people are not stupid. We need to be able to understand and interpret the law. What's happening. We need to be yeah. able to interpret why they call themselves a commonwealth, why they're under this funny fucked up system yeah um and 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 why it is there like why why does it exist why does it need to exist yeah. in Canada? And, yeah. and really question that there's something here that really spoke to me 
Curtis is saying that he wants to and needs to know the system that he's in, but he's aware it's not his own ways. This mindset is extremely useful in so many areas. It's how we can relate and work together. It's how we can strategize different things relationally. If someone holds a completely different worldview than you, you can still stay true to your own identity while still understanding their ways. It's what the indigenous people here have been forced to do. This perspective might not be popular, and I know people right away who would disagree, possibly angry with how he just spoke about this. But people like Curtis need a platform as well. We need to understand why he's coming from the place he's coming from. So let's keep listening to what he has to say. And so I, I fear that definitely, but like where I'm at in my life now, I know that one is intergenerational trauma from my own family. It's going to die with me. Like hmm. once I'm gone and I'm buried, That's powerful. that it, it's, it's gone with me because yeah. my children are going to learn this sabos and they're going to nice. know the language. They're going to be fluent in it and they're going to be in ceremony and they're going to hear the stories. They're going to have the transfers yeah. and they're going to be a part of all of that. Yeah. Beautiful. And so when you, when you think about it that way, it's like, there's a lot of people where the, they see the, what do you say is like, beautiful where they see the beauty that we're the last ones hmm. that will, will take on all the pain and all the hurt and cry about it and feel the trauma. Yeah. But once we're buried six feet under and our spirits go into, into the spirit realm, when our spirits go in to be with our ancestors, it's all gone with us. Wow. And, and that next generation, my own children will be telling a different story. We'll be telling wow. a story of not huh. reconciliation, but reclaiming. Yeah. And that, and they'll be telling the story that, well, my dad taught me this way. Yeah. I speak this language. And yes, I, I'm going to school. Maybe like, hopefully they'll go to school, but they'll be able to say like, but we're in a sit We're not Canadian. Yeah. We're in a, like, this is who we are. We're Blackfoot. We never, we were never huh. brought up to think that we're Canadian. We're brought up to know we're in a sit Yeah. And, and that's, that's what I want them to know. Right. And that's what I'm going, going to do with my children. Wow. And, and that's pretty amazing. Cause you must, you must see yourself as being born for such a specific time. Mm-hmm. You are passing on this torch from one era to another and mm-hmm. quite potentially the rehabilitation of not mm-hmm. rehabilitation even, but the rebirth of this powerful cultural identity mm-hmm. and people. And mm-hmm. so moving forward, like, um, as this starts to happen and I mean, yeah, you've learned the language fluently mm-hmm. and you're 26, mm-hmm. which is pretty awesome. Cause yeah. not a lot of people in your, uh, nation know the mm-hmm. language. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. Moving forward. How do you think, how do you think it will be for your people to have a distinct identity when now, even in Alberta, there's such a mosaic society? Cause I think like, we do think it would look similar to, let's say, um, I don't know, like, let's say a family just moves here from an African country or an Asian country and they have that cultural identity, mm-hmm. but maybe their children say, oh, I'm like Albertan now because my family moved here when I was young. How is that different for you guys? Yeah, we have always been distinct and we've always been here and we've always been practicing our ways. It's just, you haven't been looking. It's like a lot of people think that, oh yeah, like they don't exist, but like go to a res, go to Sixaga, yeah. go out and see what we do in our houses, in our teepees when we yeah. set them up. And you see that we're, we still have a vibrant, distinct culture and it's known. You just got to look for it. 
and um, it's known by those who want to see it. Yeah. And, and that's the other thing. So nice. I, so yeah. I think that um, for a lot of us is that we are, we are still Mississippi. We've had it that way. Even if you can't speak the language, even you can just say a little bit of a word in our language, like that's being a Mississippi. And, and like being mm. out in a ceremony, even if you're at a ceremony, you can't speak and you're speaking English. That doesn't matter. The fact that you're there yeah. and you're in the ceremony, right. that's being a Mississippi. And don't get me wrong. Like, I don't want to contradict in saying that. I just think that for myself, like the language for me is important and mm -hmm. it is for a lot of people. And yes. I believe learning it is super important. But I also believe just being out in ceremony, whether you can speak it or not, is just as important yeah. as that too. And, and for myself, my calling is what I said. I want to my children to speak up or to, to, to grow up yeah. fluently. Yeah, that's so cool. Yeah, yeah how would you, um, in your own words, how would you describe your culture, your people's culture to yeah. someone like me who <laughs> is literally the definition of the mosaic Alberta? <laughs> I just, um, I've been indoctrinated when, by the West. Yeah, yeah, no, totally. I have no um, identity. Yeah, anymore. and like even me, like I, 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 I'm glad you say that. Um, <laughs> it's, it's welcoming and, and it's truth. Hmm. Um, it's his own truth. Um, and being a Sittipi is love. Being a Sittipi is, is, in, in, um, is enveloping and, and radiating love. Um, it's, uh, it's about acknowledging our, our spirit. It's about acknowledging the spiritual realm. Hmm. It's about acknowledging those who passed on before us, our ancestors, acknowledging as our ancestors are here with us. Um, it's acknowledging creator, acknowledging the stories, acknowledging the lands, hmm. first acknowledging the land, um, acknowledging how we interact with it. And then in that developing that concrete definition, then it's said to be people are, are loving, welcoming and caring people. Hmm. And, and that comes in with like what, what I was trying to, what I was explaining earlier is like transfers and having right. our laws that, that create us to sustain or help us create this, this, this um, these sustainable practices right. um, that help us flourish as, as a community, Gover cool. governing ourselves or however you want to call it. We wouldn't call right. it governing, but just like how we come together and how right. we balance ourselves together. And that Mississippi way of life, is that, is that kind of a law that you have developed from the creator, like since the beginning? Yeah. So like even awesome. in our creation story, you see like what was given down, like to not be in, in everywhere else in, in the world, like where the, 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 um, you could say the adventures of Napi, but then there's adventures of other people, other beings, cool. you know, stories of warriors that went out and they, and they collected things, they collected transfers to hold things, to, to bring our ceremonies together mm. and to help us govern ourselves. And then you have the story of Napi and, and, and the story of Napi and creation. And then you have the story of like how we came to being created and, um, and how warriors were even a part of that story too. Mm. How warriors were a part of that system, how mothers, grandmothers were a part of that, those stories. Right. Um, and how that brought into how we became Sittipi how we became the, the, the real people, how mm. we became to, how we came to the plains, how we interacted with the inni, like the bison, how we interacted with everything around us and then, and then getting those laws so that we can interact with everything around us. Yeah, that's yeah. amazing. Yeah. So I guess another question I wanna ask too is from your perspective, which I don't think a lot of people get to hear um, even in Alberta, mm -hmm. For you, what is special about the land that we're on? 
Well, one is for me, it's home. Um, like the traditional word for, for Calgary is Mokinsis, mm. and is where the elbow means the big, the bow and the big curve. Right. Um, and that is um, what we called this area before it became Calgary, mm. before the fort was built here and before it became what it is. We called it Mokinsis. And there's other there's other um, direct uh, dialects that or dialects that address it direct too to like even like um, like the like river and where mm. it used to curve with big houses in, in this area, and um, yeah and 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 so being able to, like this land in Tree Seven the Blackfoot Confederacy um, it means everything to me because this is where we were created this mm. is where. Um, creator put us this is where creator made us from 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 that 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 clay and that dust and whatnot mm. and brought us into being shaped us and then said okay well I created you now now I'm gonna share with you stories and now I'm gonna say oh, now I'm gonna tell you these transfers these laws or what you have to follow to create this interaction between me that equity mm. that is that that spiritual equity and then how we all interact to get to creator. And then at the end of our lives, get mm. into into the sky world, into where we want to be with creator and with the sky people. That could not happen without the land. Mm. That could not happen without having Nappi's playground in the Pine Hills, having riding on stone, having mm. head smashed in Cypress Hills, having all these areas and these landmarks yeah. would not be like our creation story would not be anything without that would not be anything without us being able to roam here right and 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 to be um in and tell our story here mm -hmm. and create our our system um of sustainability within this area and is directly based on this land and this territory right and so we would be nothing without it and we wake up and we understand like this is this is the land and this is this is our source of power today the sun the energy anything around us yeah. that source of power brings it together into addressing even creator mm. and create addressing creator and where we are and when you, when you wake up and you say okay to to creator and everything around you that's a part of who we are mm. and that's that could not be without waking up on our territory in our land and in this yeah. in this province and in, in this area um in southern alberta but we like to call it we like to call it our kitoxin or like just saying like mm. um like just like the land in itself and like where we find energy where we find strength where we find power and that being the land that mm -hmm. being this area where we have our story it's the same thing if you said to a niheawag person in their own territory in treaty six or treaty any other treaty where the Cree people are from yeah um they would have the same answer i mean i'm sure they would have the same answer right. that they wouldn't have who they are without the land right and that meaning everything yeah clearly you don't <laughs> identify as albertan nope classically uh, can you expand on that a little bit um <clears throat> well like like what i was saying before is that um when if I'm representing my nation, if I'm yeah. representing my people, yeah. I always need to say I'm a Sitipi first. Yes. And if I don't say that, and then I say I'm Canadian, <laughs> and, and I say I'm like Albertan or whatever, those <laughs> internal, like, um, those internal, like, um, patriotic terms. If, yes. if, I were, if I were to say, if I were to say things like that, yeah. if I were to, like, identify myself as being this, like, an Albertan or Canadian, I would be not holding true. Mm-hmm my people and how much they mean to me 
I would not be holding true our creation story and how much it means to be. I would not be holding true the land and how much it means to me if I said mm-hmm. that. Because Nisitapi is, is even a term based off of the land itself. Mm-hmm. It's based off of this territory. And that has no Western terminology attached to it. In that, I would say that because if I were to say again, like I'm Canadian, like that would that would make me feel awful because it would make me feel like I've also lost my identity. Yes. If yeah. I start saying that and it's just like, well, I'm a Sitapi. Like I'm I like that's who I am. Like that's where I come from. Yeah. Those those are my people. Yeah. Or even in that and in, in out of respect for my father, um, who is ER hey Nakoda, I would say, mm-hmm. um, I'm Yathgabi. I'm I'm Nakoda in that way. Right. If I were to say that out of respect for my father, they would say the same thing. Like the right. Nakoda would say the same thing. Right. Like they have a vibrant story in the Rockies as well. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And 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 that's just like who we are. And if we if we we just discredit it, there we go. We discredit yeah. who we are as a people. When you if, say that. If we say that because then we're not protecting our nation. Yeah, definitely. Or protecting someone else's. We are definitely game for protecting other nations. Yeah. But, but we would protect another nation while continuing to practice in our yeah. religion right and and that's why we wouldn't that's why i personally wouldn't i wouldn't say i'm albertan and and i should have the right to say that. yes absolutely. that's the other thing yeah is that i should have the right to tell others that i am not I am not Canadian because you're I'm, not really. Yeah, 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 yeah. Not, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I may have that status card that says four zero zero four three zero, and then my whole number and stuff, which is really fucked up in itself. Um, but like that still doesn't mean I'm I'm yeah, Canadian. Definitely not. Yeah, that's cool. Mm-hmm. Would you almost say that it almost the sense I'm getting to um, even just learning from you is that. Alberta as a province and as a land, it's almost like a different spiritual plane completely mm-hmm. than than your nation and your land because mm-hmm. it it is it's well it doesn't have a spirit <laughs> there you go I mean like <laughs> it I has think, it has borders and <laughs> yeah, yeah 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 like because well you said it earlier too and I think Canadians don't know who they are. Canadians don't know who they are. Yeah. They literally have no clue who they are. When they say they're Canadian, yes, that creates a kind of national identity, but where's where's their roots in that? Yeah. Where Commonwealth, like Parliament, okay, cool, but like where does that come from? Yeah. Where, where is its roots in how it became this government system and why did it become that? Was it Indigenous at one point? Maybe. Hmm. I don't know. But something was manipulated along yeah. the way. Yeah. And you have this whole like, so you have this whole, this whole group of people that don't know who they are. Yeah. And because they can't find who they are, they have to say they're Canadian. And that's a part of the process yeah. of assimilation for non-Indigenous people in our, in our country. Yeah. Yeah. And it sucks yeah. because a lot of people like don't know who they are. Yeah. And for a while, I didn't know who I was when yeah. I almost lost my way. Yeah, and, and now that I know my way, I know who I am. I know where I come from. I right. know my name. I know Running Shadow. I know that's like my that's a, a name passed down through my from my ancestor. Yeah, I know this stuff, and and that's and, a blessing. That yeah, a lot yeah. of people don't have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and that's where I should encourage others to be like, well, why do I say I'm Canadian? It's it's, mm-hmm. it's a pretend system. It's a pretend nation.
Pretend Nation was something I heard from a really amazing elder and scholar. Uh, his name's uh, Leroy Little Bear, Dr. Leroy Little Bear. Cool. Incredible. But he uses this term Pretend Nation and like it really identifies that, yeah, there's no identity here. Truthfully, I'm not sure of my own experience if I fully agreed with Curtis right away. I hold a lot of my identity in being Albertan because, well, I realized I had to. I'd never had an opportunity to ask the questions that I wanted to of an indigenous person from this land. And it got me thinking. A lot of my interviewees did know who they were and they were proud of it. Some of them even identified specifically as having an Albertan culture. Think of Matt who's getting a wild rose tattoo. I do think Alberta does have a spirit and it goes beyond borders. But just as we have not experienced the deep connection to the land, which only a part of it is in Alberta for Curtis's people, Curtis probably doesn't have as much insight into our own identity and our own experiences, even though he has tread in both places. And he's right that it really was something that was made up. A culture created over time by a strange mix of peoples and history. I think the other episodes alone really highlight this. I think as someone who has a little bit less of a foundation in my own cultural identity, I could definitely appreciate what he's saying here. I wish I had a rich history that I could pull from the way that Curtis did. I do recognize, however, that a lot of listeners would have something to say about this and possibly have some pretty strong opinions. So please, engage with me in discussion on Facebook or Twitter. I want to hear your perspectives and I do want to keep this conversation going. It's really the pinnacle of this entire podcast series. I had one more question I wanted to ask Curtis, and it's about his experience of almost losing what he felt was his culture through what he calls modern assimilation. I found it very interesting, especially because I have a lot of background from this experience. Take a listen. I, uh, I do want to ask you um, a little bit more about if you could just explain kind of what your experience was when you did feel like you were uh, losing your identity mm-hmm. for that brief period of your of your life. Like, yeah, please talk candidly about that. Like, what, what happened for you there? Well, in essence, it was, um, and I'll try to make it pretty quick. Sure. Um, so it was the church. I, I grew up um, when like is Christian church. Yeah, Christian yeah. church. Christ, sorry, yeah, Christian church. <laughs> I say the church because everyone just knows. Yeah, oh, the church know. is Christian. Yeah. <laughs> um, but like... No, so when I was going to to church, and I met a lot of good people in church. Don't worry, don't get me yeah, wrong. I yeah. met a lot of good good Christian people that I think are that have really good hearts and, and really, um, really try and hmm. really try to to be a good, um, just good people. Yeah, and but the church itself and the system itself mm-hmm. um, was what took me away. Like the Christian church took me away from my from learning and ceremony a lot and and losing a lot of what I remember growing up yeah because sometimes I'd be in church service and people just like aren't you indigenous and like don't you know this like you're black right don't you know your your ways and I'm like uh yes (laughs) but I forgot it uh and then other things I would like forget about and then I'd be like whoa and then I would like it caused me to go home and question like why don't I know this why don't I why don't I why am I not trying for this yeah and then I realized that is because I was so caught up in trying to be this way, this westernized way and not my own way. 
mm-hmm. not following my ways, not following my own traditional ways. And, and I was at a heavy disadvantage from that. And especially like forgetting the language, forgetting how to like use the language in the right way, when to speak a certain word, when to say things a certain way and all of that. And, and it was the church that like took me away from that a lot. And, and then after I realized this, um, from that time, from the time, um, since I was, uh, 18 up until 20, uh, 21. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, well, it was kind of like varying between 21 and 22 when I like decided I'm like, I don't want to be a part of the church. Um, I experienced things with my grandma where she told me stories about the residential schools, things I couldn't even say around her because it could be triggering. Um, having to do with the church yeah, having yeah. to do with the church names like right. especially like the name jesus christ stuff like that just and it affected me and then mm-hmm. I, I saw how for us we would say in our ways it's wrong like we would say that it's wrong like we would see how it's wrong and we address it we just address that it's wrong mm-hmm. the things the things it's teaching is wrong and in seeing that and knowing that i decide okay well i want to learn i want to get back into my own ways i don't want to be a part of the church because of what i did to my grandmother and now i live with the interracial trauma from Mm. that from my mother um from my own family my siblings and i'm no longer going to do that and then after i left it the time that i was in it the time that i was stuck with it or i stuck in it um i didn't feel spiritual i didn't feel I felt like I was living a lie. Like I felt mm-hmm. like I was living for the benefit of someone else, like someone else's belief. That's not my own. Yeah. And then, and then I got back to ceremony. I got back into even, even at the beginning it was the beginning stage was just like having a smudge and remembering what we use to, to light our smudge and everything like that, mm-hmm. how we do the smudges and the sitipi. And then even that, remembering that and getting back into that, clicking into that, I was like, Whoa, I remember these laws now. I remember like how they are this way. Remember why we do things this way and why it's important to do it that way as it's said to be. And then everything else started coming back and it was like, and I remembered who I named, or I remember my own name. I remembered who I, who, I, who I was back then and who I am still now. And it brought me back to remember, like, I, I come from a spiritual people. I come from a people directly connected to creator. Mm-hmm. I come from a people where our stories and our songs and our transfers, our direct connection to creator and our creation. And that's where I realized that that's who I am. And that's what I forgot about for a time being and coming back to it. I remembered that this is who I am. That's cool. I'm really glad you are on this journey. You found yourself again and you're applying yourself in so many ways for your people. And Mm -hmm. that makes me excited and I am rooting for you guys. And (laughs) I really appreciate you taking time to talk to me about that stuff. And I think it's going to be really insightful for a lot of people Mm -hmm. to hear this. This season, we've heard the experience of the only black family in a homogenous northern Alberta town, Tehila whose story is its own, and who felt prejudice when her community asked her where she was from, specifically because she was born in and felt Albertan, even though her skin color was different. We've heard from the remote reaches of the northern part of our province in one of our newest towns. Kayla from Zama City, 
who spoke of the mud bogs and driving an hour and a half just for Tim Hortons. We heard the experiences and uncensored viewpoints of a ranching family through my relative, Matt, who identifies solely as an Albertan and is extremely proud of it. We heard from a minority often neglected in our province, despite there being entire regions belonging to them, the Franco-Albertan, Joelle Croteau-Willard. Her identity also strong, with a Chuckwagon history and a family that has given so much to the development of this province's culture and arts. And now, the experience I was most excited to discover, the one that challenged me the most, one of our indigenous peoples. Curtis Lefthand, a Pikani of the Nisitipi peoples. His experience truly was unlike anyone else I interviewed over the course of this podcast. I think it's safe to say that his culture and background are so foreign to the majority of us. It definitely challenges our own culture and what we have perceived it to be. Can any of us say we are who we say we are? And why? This journey has been so intriguing for me and it's one that I knew I had to go on. I've often struggled with where my cultural identity lies. I come from a mixed background and I grew up here in Alberta, which if you've been listening to the show, doesn't say too much unless I choose it to say much. I don't know if I'm any closer to feeling more or less Albertan, but I do know that people are incredible. Each story is a universe on its own. No two experiences are the same. And we can connect to each other in this way. I'm done with putting people in boxes, with making assumptions about someone's beliefs, backgrounds, cultural habits, or anything like that. I want to be inquisitive. I want to ask questions. And I want to do so from a place of knowing my ways. I don't have to abandon who I believe I am at my core in order to befriend someone, in order to collaborate with someone, in order to love someone. We all have a reason we are the way we are, and it's time we dug a little deeper to answer the questions we have. I hope that by looking at Alberta, I could truly capture the challenge we face in the mosaic societies of today. I hope that I challenge the culture we have created for ourselves. Anti-culture was written, produced, edited, and conceptualized by me, Josiah Sinanin. I would like to give a special thank you to everyone who has helped bring it together. My special guests, Tehila Chawele, Kayla Wardley, Matthew Wisemantle, Joelle Croteau-Willard, who is newly engaged, by the way, congrats, and Curtis Lefthand. Thank you to Jay McDonald, Norella Shahab, and the People Are Pearls movement for introducing me to some of these guests. Thank you to all the India team who made this podcast a dream that I had to realize. Thank you to all my friends and family that played a role in making this little project a reality. The music used in all these episodes is license-free and can be found on my SoundCloud page from various sources. Please help me out by telling your friends and family about this podcast and engaging in discussion with me online. Word of mouth seriously helps the most, and I want the most people to know about these little five episodes as possible, especially if they're from Alberta. Also, if you enjoyed the show, please help me by writing a review for me on the iTunes page for the podcast. It really helps the podcast get noticed. 
Stay tuned on social media and my webpage for the next series of episodes out this summer. You can follow me on Twitter at Josiah Podcast, like my Facebook page, which is Anti-Culture with Josiah Sinanin, and visit the official webpage at www.josiahsinanin.com slash podcast. You can also follow my personal Instagram at many C's, and I'd love to stay in touch with you over the course of these next few months. I'll talk to you soon, and for now, be inquisitive, be curious, and be a friend. Thank you for listening.